Welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Katie Mulligan, Editor-in-Chief of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. The episode you're about to hear is the second recorded at the recent Cross-Border Connections Conference hosted by ACG's Detroit, Western Michigan, and Toronto chapters focused on cross-border trade. I spoke with leaders from each of those chapters about how trade issues are impacting ACG members. And in this episode, you'll hear from Chris Letts, Vice President at Morgan Stanley and President of ACG Detroit, Ben Gibbons, a partner at RSM Canada and a member of the ACG Toronto Board of Directors, and Eric Kamstra, a member of the board of ACG Western Michigan. You'll hear Eric mention ACG Western Michigan's Growth Awards, and by the time we're releasing this episode, that event has already happened, but we left that part in and we would encourage anyone interested to reach out to the chapter or read more about the awards on their website because it really is a fantastic program. With that, here are the three interviews, starting with Chris Letts. I am here with Chris Letts, a vice president with Morgan Stanley and a co-founder of Pine Harbor Group at Morgan Stanley Wealth Management, working with high net worth individuals. He's also the president of ACG's Detroit chapter. Chris, thanks for joining me. Such a pleasure. So we are speaking today at the Cross-Border Connections Conference hosted by three ACG chapters, Detroit, Western Michigan, and Toronto. Uh, Several of the panel sessions are focusing on trade, so thought we could start there. What are you hearing from the middle market M&A community in Detroit about the Trump administration's tariffs and the ongoing negotiations with China over a trade deal? So if you look at the middle market, the National Center for the Middle Market, which is this brilliant think tank that exists out of the Ohio State University, they have done a lot of research around how the middle market has been affected by tariffs. So it's a top three business concern of the average middle market respondent. It is a huge concern for those who deal with commodities like aluminum and steel. If you look at most of these middle market businesses, only 15% of them have built in any sort of hedges to commodities exposure, specifically to tariffs. Now, that's the overall middle market in the national economy. If you look at what's happening here in Detroit, Mm -hmm. our colleagues in Toronto, or even throughout the state of Michigan, we are hugely affected, given our manufacturing base, by tariffs and by trade concerns that go along with disputes with China from this administration or any any other administration for that matter. So it's an item that we are acutely aware of. I would say it's probably a top one or two business concern for the manufacturing base that we have here in Michigan. It's something that you know we're spending a lot of time on here. And on the Canadian front, another topic covered today is the renegotiation of the NAFTA treaty. Um, Do you have a sense of how the middle market deal community in in Detroit is viewing those negotiations and whether it's a threat or an opportunity for them? Surprisingly, the conversation that we've had today schedules the USMCA, which is kind of this new renegotiated NAFTA, as a real competitive advantage for our region. Because if you look at a lot of the tariff wars that are going on or disputes, however you want to describe Mm -hmm. it, that's going on between the United States and the European Union, for example, the United Mm -hmm. States and China, the USMCA really places a differentiator in terms of us having a framework that's been negotiated, that's been agreed to, and now is kind of set up as law moving forward, assume it gets ratified because it hasn't been ratified by any of the parties yet. But it gives us a real competitive advantage because it creates a landscape by which manufacturers understand what to expect moving forward in the the regulatory environment here in North America. That's really exciting. I would say everyone wants to see this get done. Mm -hmm. Um, There was some conversation today at one of our panels around how this 
could be a real benefit for the manufacturing Midwest and also Canadian jobs because there's going to be a redistribution of employment from Mexico into the United States and into Canada. So we're mm-hmm. excited about that. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we are we are a trading community here in Michigan, and obviously Canada is a trading nation as we are here in the United States. And so to the extent that we can create clear understandings around our ability to trade in North America, it's going to differentiate us as, as it relates to our global trading partners. Because if you have a European business that wants to trade into North America and is sourcing goods from all over the world, they know specifically what North America is going to look like from a regulatory environment moving forward. That doesn't exist in Europe. That doesn't exist in China at this moment. And when you think about the supply chain that goes into manufacturing a Ford F-150, it is massive, right? There's there's a tremendous amount of, of components that are, that are sourced from all over North America, certainly all over the world. There's going to be a real advantage to uh, those suppliers being headquartered here in North America now that we've got USMCA kind of figured out. So certainly everyone's very happy to have it behind us. If you consider the special trading relationship that exists between the United States and Canada, since we've that's been a hot topic today, very, very happy to, to see um, kind of a pathway forward. And we still need to figure out tariffs, which hopefully we'll get there as well. But USMCA mm-hmm. has been widely, you know, widely heralded as a... Um, as an improvement and as a relief to, to kind of get done. And another area that a lot of investors are viewing as as one with opportunities is cannabis. And you and I just sat in a <laughs> panel discussion right before we cannabis, came for this interview. Yes. What are you hearing on the ground here in Michigan in terms of how the middle market community is thinking about opportunities in, in cannabis? So I, I would say it's varied. So there's a lot of mystery surrounding cannabis uh, and a lot of hype. Uh, And certainly there's some major regulatory hurdles that I think we're all kind of keeping our eyes on from Mm -hmm. a from a middle market business perspective, certainly within ACG Detroit, which, as you mentioned, I'm president of. By the way, I am not an expert on cannabis, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you what, the panel I just got out of, I feel indoctrinated in a way that I could have never imagined there's some key points that came out of it. So uh, Huffington Post came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. It said the North American cannabis market could be worth as much as 140 to $150 billion. Billion dollars annually, so that is massive. And if you look at our friend El Chapo from Mexico and the the, all the cartels that have been, a lot of that's been cannabis, which came out during the proceedings that that took place in New York, where you know his trial just wrapped up. Here's the thing: huge market here in the United States, North America for that matter. Michigan is right out of the gate with, you know, we essentially legalized. Let's let's kind of step back a little bit. So Mm -hmm. Michigan, tenth state to legalize recreational marijuana uh, this past year, happened in November. By, by public mandate, it was a referendum vote. Canada went fully federally recreationally legal based on Trudeau's liberal uh, government. They pushed that through, and that basically took place in October. So there's a lot of conversation between our, our Ontario, ACG Toronto, and ACG Michigan chapters here today around this is a new area for all of us to kind of explore together. Canada is certainly ahead of the game in terms of their regulatory environment and having it kind of federally approved. But in Michigan alone, you have the second highest number of medical marijuana users in the country, second only to the state of California, which if you look at a size standpoint, it's, it's remarkable how, how many 
medical marijuana users are here in the state of Michigan. Right out of the gate, you're looking at a $1.5 billion industry that's only going to grow and grow substantially as Michigan kind of catches up to the rest of the country, specifically Colorado and California. There's some major, major logistical hurdles that go along with this space. So there was a couple of comments that were made this morning. One of them was this this industry is advancing in like in dog years, right? So mm-hmm. basically, it's 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 rapidly, you know, evolving and changing. One of the challenges in the United States right now is that every state might as well be its own country in terms of the regulatory environment, the laws that go along with it. So the state of Michigan, although it just passed and is now legal, the concept around distribution, getting dispensaries, the the licensing around that, it's pure chaos right now, as you know, one could imagine. But it's one of those things where we're moving forward. We, we have a unique positioning in this with our proximity to Canada. No other Midwest states have this sort of proximity like we do, especially in Ontario, where Toronto's largely established itself as kind of the cannabis hub for uh, publicly traded companies. In Michigan, a huge percentage of them have been connected one way, shape or form to Canadian based companies because there seems to be a, a real understanding of what the cannabis market looks like in Canada, that there's a knowledge there that can be imported here to Michigan. Mm -hmm. Certainly very interesting. Our membership is uh, asking a lot of questions. You know, there's some big challenges too. Uh, One of our moderators of our panel is an attorney and he represents the state bar of Michigan, the, the, the subset of attorneys that are focused specifically on cannabis law. And he said, cannabis and everything around it is amazing, but there is a gold rush in cannabis right now. And there's going yeah. to be a lot of people that are going to lose a lot of money if they don't understand how this space works, because as he mentioned, it's irrational exuberance. A lot of money coming into this. He had a, he had a great um, just piece of wisdom. He's like, hey, if, if your cannabis company doesn't work out, here in the state of Michigan, and you want to file for creditor protection, good luck. You can't. You're not protected under the federal bankruptcy Which I never thought about that. Think about that. And Or, hey, you want to have like a reasonable workout, good luck. Mm -hmm. You have absolutely no mechanism to be able to facilitate that. So I think inevitably there's a lot of interest. We're seeing a huge amount of capital flood the space. There's going to be a lot of, I think, lessons learned on... You know, a lot of investor disappointment that goes along just any new industry. But certainly it seems as if cannabis is going to have a very significant you know, future in our economy. And it's just a matter of getting our arms around what that looks like. Yeah, maybe a first wave to kind of work out the kinks and then yeah. it'll be off and going. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But, but I'll tell you what, we, we do a lot of different events here within ACG Detroit. We are a very active chapter. And we talked about this concept at one of our last board meetings and one of our board members brought it to the 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 board meeting said hey do we want to talk are we comfortable talking about this um just recognizing kind of the you know there's a lot of divisiveness that goes along with this topic within the public sector or within public sentiment and everyone on the board was like we have to there's just so much interest here we have to meet the interest of our membership and really understanding the business opportunities around this and just given how fast it's grown it's just it's funny that that's even still a question but of course it is it's almost it's moved so quickly that to your point public sentiment almost Mm -hmm. hasn't caught up to the the way the industry has progressed well michigan number 10 Hmm. number 10 we have 50 states in this country right so we're only number 10 to mm-hmm. legalize recreationally the use of marijuana. You know, being a more conservative Midwestern state probably surprised a lot of people, I think. Yeah. And it was an overwhelming vote. But, you know, here we are. And I think it's an indication of probably what's to come in this space. So mm-hmm. certainly exciting. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll, you know, for all of those people involved with it, for sure. 
And you mentioned that Detroit is your adopted hometown. Yes. And we were talking last night at the opening reception about kind of the resurgence of this city. And mm-hmm. depending on who you speak to, people have very different perceptions about Detroit right now and yeah. it, whether the city is or is not making a comeback. So, you know, wanted to hear your your take on that. Well, I will tell you, anyone who um, says that uh, Detroit hasn't made a comeback probably believes the earth is flat. So <laughs> I would I would maybe, you know, challenge their thinking a little bit because sure. unequivocally, unequivocally, this city has, you know, I, I want to be careful not to get too over our skis here, but it is... It is amazing what has happened in the city of Detroit, the resurgence, the amount of just transformation that has taken place in the city, certainly over the last 10 years. But I mean, even over the last five years, it's been at a rapid pace. Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of that coming uh, from the business community, the middle market community. and, And I don't know if a lot of our members know this, but I always go out of my way to mention that if you look at all the jobs created since the Great Recession, right, 2008, so last 10 years, 53% of all new jobs were created by middle market businesses. Middle market businesses represent one-third of our GDP in this country. By the way, middle market businesses are only 1% of all businesses in this country. So think about 1% of all businesses in this country accountable for one-third of GDP and responsible for 53% of all new employment that has taken place in this country since the Great Recession. Just astounding, astounding numbers, right? Now, you look at the state of Michigan, we are top three and we battle Ohio of all places for top one, typically, for being the state with the biggest percentage of middle market businesses. So I think there's no denying the fact that if you look at our commitment to the middle market space, it, it has had a major impact on the city of Detroit. We've seen a lot of middle market businesses move down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has brought a lot of employment. Employment has brought n- renewed interest in the city of Detroit. That renewed interest has brought new inhabitants, which have brought taxes, which has created just a huge multiplier effect for our city. And you look at the partnership that we've had also with our, our local governments here and seeing kind of business and government come together, plus a restructuring of our debt, right? This is kind of like a, we could do a panel on this alone, but the, the result has been just a incredible transformation. And I love talking about it. I have a place down here in the city. I love walking the streets and looking at buildings that were essentially bombed out and Uh i'm not i don't want to exaggerate here but but no lights on at night bombed out you know plywood on the storefronts at the at the lower levels seeing you know world-renowned restaurants opening up and people living there and everything being rehabbed and having new hotels being built and just the flood of private capital that have that has come into the city you know i was mentioning the other day to see a transformation like this take place in today's world, you basically have to be a child in an emerging economy. But in the developed world, it is rare to see a a city transform itself overnight the way that Detroit has, because a lot of this transformation took place 100 years ago on our shores, right, within our country. Are you familiar with Lonely Planet? And this will be my last plug. So Lonely Planet is this- The travel guide. You got it, yeah. Yeah, It's a travel publication and it goes, it's, it's a global travel publication. Last year, so for 2018, Lonely Planet said they, they always release their top 10 places to visit that year. Detroit was number two. No kidding. Second only to Oslo. 
And if, don't take my word for any of this, Google Lonely Planet, uh-huh. Detroit, top place to visit. And um, you can have their perspective, but it's been really fun having this event here and being able to show off the city. And uh, there's just a very deep pride that runs through uh, everyone in this community for how far we've come. So it's been great. And if a, a Lonely Planet endorsement and a Chris Letts endorsement <laughs> isn't enough, there's still a doubter out there after after hearing this. What's a way that someone can come to Detroit and, and check it out via ACG? What's an event that's coming well, up? Well, I'm then? so glad you asked. This is great, Katie. So we are hosting uh, Great Lakes Capital Connection 2019. So September 4th okay. and 5th, we have... Uh, the convention center, uh, our main convention center in the city of Detroit rented out. Plus, we have rented out the Weston Book Cadillac, which uh, is one of the most historic hotels we have in our city that was refurbed by Starwood a number of years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are hosting the, our Great Lakes Capital Connection. It's been many years since we've done this, mm-hmm. but we're really excited to bring people as the host here in Detroit and really, you know, have people see what has happened in the city not only do a lot of deals, but have a lot of fun on that front. There's going to be lots of great parties. I have a committee put together that has been working for almost two years in preparation for GLCC. There's a lot of business that gets done, but at the end of the day, ACG, we are a premier networking organization, and there's going to be a lot of fun networking at GLCC. So everyone mark your calendars, September 4th and 5th. We are so excited, and we're going to bring it in a way that only Detroit can, so it's going to be great. And we should say that's a conference that that's a collaboration with mm-hmm. multiple Midwestern ACG chapters, and Correct. it rotates every year. Yep, yep. yep. So we're looking forward to our... Uh, our opportunity to host. It'll be great. Chris Letts, thanks for coming on the podcast. Katie, it's such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Up next is Eric Kamstra, a board member with ACG's Western Michigan chapter. Eric, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So the ACG Western Michigan chapter was one of the three chapters who organized today's Cross-Border Connections Conference. Obviously, tariffs and trade negotiations with China are being watched very closely by the business community. But can you talk about its relevance to the middle market M&A community and in Western Michigan specifically? I think a lot of what we've heard from our members, and we try and stay as engaged and, and active with not only the service providers or the capital providers, but a lot of the operators. So the folks who are mm-hmm. doing the manufacturing, doing the building and, and the creating. And it's something that they're really struggling with to try and figure out how to forecast, how to plan, and how to deal with their customers as tariffs are, are sort of impacting their business. And so we heard a lot about that today during the, the conference. A lot of people getting their news from tweets um, and it's a little bit harder to forecast tweets in a model and, and understand how that's going to impact your bottom line. So we thought it'd be a great idea to bring that up as a discussion point and put some experts in the room to be able to provide some education for those that attended today. And this event was a collaboration of three chapters altogether. And I know that ACG Western Michigan and Detroit have worked together on events in the past. But um, have you worked with Toronto or any of the other Canadian chapters before? And, and can you talk about how that came about? We haven't. So this is the first time that ACG Western Michigan and ACG Detroit have, have partnered with ACG Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I think it went really well. Um, for us, uh, we had two of these public policy conferences in the past. They were primarily focused on state issues. And we felt like this year, given a lot of the notoriety that tariffs have gotten, um, and, and that we've had from the current presidential administration, that it would be a great idea to really engage our partners across the border and have some discussions about how that is really impacting them as well. Um, we thought there would be some really interesting topics and, and be able to pull in a few more members 
to have some more diverse perspectives from the folks that uh, that would be on the panel. And you mentioned public policy. I know you've been involved with ACG Global's public policy initiatives. Can you talk about what that looks like in, in your role? Yeah. So from a public policy perspective, um, really trying to engage folks uh, that are in each of our chapters and, and be the grassroots level for ACG Global. So ACG Global is, is working on educating um, people on the federal level what it is like to be in the middle market. And I think a lot of the legislation that you typically see coming across uh, are flashpoint items that uh, are really quotable um, and great news clips, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily think about the unintended consequences on, on how that will sort of impact the shop floor. And so that's what we're working on is trying to understand and engage folks um, to take some of the policies that might be considered in Washington, educate some of our members on those, receive feedback and, and have a feedback loop mm-hmm. with ACG Global. And so today was one of those opportunities for members to get engaged to ask questions and to learn some from some of the experts that are already members of our chapters. And then we'll take that information, some of the questions, and, and feedback that back to ACG Global. And I know that ACG Western Michigan does a ton of its own events. Can you talk about some of those and what you're looking forward to coming up? Yeah, so our flagship event is coming up on March 19th. It's called the Outstanding Growth Awards, and we're really excited about that. But each year, we choose a company in Western Michigan that we feel like embodies significant growth. And so it's an opportunity for networking, uh, which everybody's a huge fan of at at ACG, (laughs) but it's also an opportunity to hear a growth story about how a company got its start, how they're really uh, interpreting some of the things that are happening in the public policy space, but how they're really trying to drive growth through their particular industry. Well, Eric, thanks so much for joining me today and enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you so much, Katie. And thanks for coming out and uh, supporting the public policy conference. Up now is Ben Givens, National Private Equity Leader for Canada with RSM and a board member with ACG Toronto and the chapter's incoming vice chairman. Ben, thanks for joining me. No worries. So Ben, I've spoken with members of the other two chapters that are participating in today's event, representing a U.S. perspective on some of the trade issues that are being covered today, um, but looking forward to hearing a Canadian perspective. So what are the trade-related issues that are top of mind right now for members of the middle market M&A community in Toronto? Yeah, I think I think what we're seeing with the companies that we work with, you know, both on the capital side and and the underlying companies themselves, is is trade, tariffs, taxes are just the three big T's that we're we're dealing with right now, and and the key issue really is uncertainty. Um, uncertainty is, is really driving the lack of decision making um, on transactions, but also underlying investment across you know both Canada and the US. So our clients in Canada, you know, as incoming um, in you know, receipt of receivers of capital, um, you know, are struggling to get deals across the line because of just that uncertainty barrier. So, you know, what we're seeing is you know a lot more kind of creativity having to be uh, um, you know in deal structures, but also mm. you know the fact that. You know, timelines are just starting to continue to kind of push out and push out. So, you know, you know, as soon as we get like better certainty with respect to you know some of those big macro issues, you know, the better it is going to be for for companies that are operating in the in the sector in Canada, but also obviously across the U.S. as well. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the the NAFTA treaty, as that's being finalized, from a Canadian company perspective, what are the threats there? And on the flip side, what are the opportunities for businesses? Yeah, I think from a from the the, the positive perspective, you know, going going there first, um, you know, we're, we're certainly seeing, 
you know, the modernization of, the, of that uh, that agreement being a positive uh, for a number of industries, like the digital economy is obviously something that wasn't contemplated mm. earlier on uh, when the first agreement was was put into effect. And so having more certainty with the rate, the way the digital economy is, is actually dealt with is actually a very you know, strong positive. We're seeing some provisions in the in the agreement with respect to small and medium businesses, which is a big part of the Canadian economy and obviously the U.S. economy. So mm-hmm. how those businesses actually get better dealt with during these uh, these negotiations is going to be key. Um, but I, you know, I come back to my point earlier. Um, getting to you know an agreement at some point is obviously the the key, and then you know we're going to actually be able to see you know, see where they land. You know, some of the the issues around the tariffs that have kind of come up um, during the negotiations that you know, have other political ramifications around it have certainly, you know, you know, made certain industries such as the steel and aluminium industry, mm-hmm. you know, tough and the supply chains around that made it, you know, difficult for you know, companies to invest. But you know, what we've certainly looked at with the companies that we work with is around, you know, how to get uh, get a view on their supply chain that can help mitigate some of those risks on a go forward basis as well. Mm-hmm. And earlier today, there was a, a packed room for a panel uh, focused on the cannabis industry, mm-hmm. an area that obviously a lot of people are watching and sure. where there seems to be quite a bit of opportunity. What are you hearing from other ACG members in in Canada about getting involved in the cannabis market, knowing that Canada seems to be much farther ahead than we are in the U.S. in terms of that industry's development? For sure, and it's it's still an early market, obviously in Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have obviously you know, regulated uh, federally, um, you know, which is obviously a step ahead of where the U.S. is on on a regulating uh, regulation perspective. Um, but it's still early days. You know, there's still a lot of logistics and distribution issues that are, are being worked out, especially in um, you know as it kind of breaks down to a provincial level. You know, from a from a, a macro perspective of the industry, the, this it's certainly you know started to mature, but it um, you know there, there's a long way for the industry to go. What we're seeing is a lot more investment now outside of the commodity of the plant itself and starting to think about, you know, what does the broader industry really look like around the cannabis space? So thinking around the services that are going to be servicing the, you know, the broader cannabis industry, you know, from analytical and lab testing spaces, media companies, mm-hmm. you know, brands, etc. you know, where the retail space, etc. So where is the consumer really going to start to, you know, play around in this space? And therefore, you know, where is the, the capital really going to start to drive? I think that the challenge that we still see is that, you know, some of the more major capital providers to, to industry generally in, in the markets, you know, the large banks, um, some of the, the larger equity providers, you know, from pension funds down still aren't, you know, aggressively in into the space, et cetera, just because of, you know, not just regulations, but uh, um, uh, reputational issues. So, hmm. you know, as we start to think about the, that market getting more mature, we're going to see you know, more capital flowing into the space. And this is just one of many events that ACG Toronto hosts, this one in collaboration with two other chapters. But wondered if you can, you know, hit on some of the other uh, events that ACG members should know about that you're hosting up in Canada. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the one of the um, upcoming events that we're, we're hosting is actually our second part in our local USMCA series. So huh. um, we've done a three-part series in collaboration with a couple of our sponsors focusing on you know, the three key components, obviously, to USMCA. So we held our first panel session uh, last month in relation to Canada as an inbound investment uh, platform. Um, this upcoming one uh, at the end of this month is going to be focusing on the US and then our third part of that series will be focused on Mexico. So, you know, talking about the, the risks and opportunities that exist in all three jurisdictions as a result of kind of where we're up to in the negotiations. And obviously, that's a changing dialogue as we as we move through the through this 
uh, the spectrum of the of the conversations. Uh, and then, yeah, I think one of the, the key new events that we're launching this year uh, is our Deal South North event. Um, so that'll be uh, at the end of May. So that'll be an opportunity for capital providers and uh, intermediaries to, to get together on a one-on-one basis and really kind of talk about deal flow and opportunities across the border. Well, Ben, thanks so much for, for joining me on the podcast and taking the time to talk with me today. I'll let you get back to the conference. No worries. Great to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. Subscribe to the podcast in the iTunes store where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help listeners find out about us. After you've rated the podcast, head over to our website, middlemarketgrowth.org, for more stories about successful mid-sized companies and middle market M&A.